The best way to reverse insulin resistance is to shrink your fat cells and gain or maintain your muscle mass. Fat has one place to go and it's right to the fat cells. Most people have so much fat on their body that they don't need to eat the dietary fat. And in fact, if they want to lose that body fat, then they do need to lower that dietary fat. So I like that you can actually feel satiated and full. And when you do protein sparing, the most nutrient dense foods are animal proteins. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Friends, I am so excited about today's episode. What I think is so valuable about today's conversation with Maria Emmerich is she's really good at dismantling a lot of the myths out there surrounding the need for a super high fat version of keto. I think a lot of people with keto think they need to just add lots of fat, and that's not always necessarily the case, especially if weight loss is your goal. I am a huge fan of PSMF. We talk all about that in this show, but there is definitely some magic to a protein-centric, as Maria Emmerich calls, a protein-sparing approach to diet. We dive deep into all of it, and at the end, we got into some of the recipes that Maria really loves. I think that will be so, so valuable for listeners, so definitely enjoy today's episode. I cannot recommend enough Maria's courses, her books, all of her resources, and she was so kind to give our listeners a discount code. So you can go to melanieavalon.com slash ketoadapted and use the coupon code melanieavalon that will get you 10% off site-wide. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash ketoadapted with the coupon code melanieavalon. I love, love, love some of her cookbooks. They have recipes like her protein sparing bread, which is amazing. I like her pure protein cookbook a lot. It's really just a wonderful collection of resources if recipes are the thing you need. So definitely check that out. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash mariaemmerich. That's M-A-R-I-A-E-M-M-E-R-I-C-H. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something that I love. And then check out my Instagram. Find the announcement post there about this episode. And again, comment something that resonated with you to enter to win something that I love. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric, or focused on a certain type of person, and I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon Official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it, so please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. 
Okay, friends, spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you are currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, they are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or LGE, and I really experience the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with, and to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body, so it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, it may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque, it can help alleviate pain, and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right and get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON, as well as a 20% off code when you text AVALONX to 877-861-8318. That's AVALONX to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the Spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys if you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now before we change to subscriptions. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S.? 
that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity. If you are using conventional skincare makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up and just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin, so you can truly feel good about what you put on, and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 percent back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Maria Emmerich. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. It is a long time coming. So a little backstory on all of this. When I first started getting involved or interested in the science of diet, it was after I went low carb and really experienced a profound effect on my entire health and well-being when prior to that, everything was sort of just really about weight loss. But the first sort of (laughs) diet hack thing I did when I became really obsessed with all of that was I was looking at all the different potential things to eat macronutrient-wise, so carbs, fat, protein. And I realized that protein was basically the macronutrient that could support your body and most likely not become body fat. So I went, this was probably like a decade ago, but I went through a period where I was literally eating, I mean, just, just protein, like lean protein. Um, And I was like, why is this not a thing? I'm not necessarily recommending you do it to the extreme that I did. And I'm sure we'll dive into a lot of this in today's conversation, but it was definitely something on my radar. And from there I found the whole 
PSMF community, which was a group of people still today who follow a protein-centric, low-calorie diet. But with all of that, I also found the world of Maria Emmerich, who is really, really big in the keto world, also her own manifestation and version of PSMF, protein-sparing modified fast, that we'll talk about. So I've been dying to interview her. I've been following her work for years, such a fan. And then when I saw that she was on my friend Cynthia Thurlow's show and found out they were friends, I was like, please introduce me to Maria so I can have her on the show. So that's what's happening right now. So I am just, I'm so honored, so grateful. Maria, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for reaching out. And it sounds like we're kindred spirits and I'll definitely be subscribing to all your podcasts. Oh, yay. No, I just, I love everything that you do. I really feel like you just get it. I was telling you before the call, I recently watched, you had a, an at home, like a webinar type thing that people could go to in person. My assistant actually went to it or watch online and I watched online and I was just like, yes, because you and your husband, you guys really understand, I think the science of everything that's going on. And you're really, really good at dispelling myths and really just explaining what's happening with everything. So, but to start things off, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are probably familiar with your work, but for those who are not, could you tell them a little bit about your personal story? What brought you to where you are today with writing all of your books? You have so many books. You have an amazing Instagram. Like just what brought you to what you're doing today? Well, when I was 16 years old, I was literally twice my size. I wasn't feeling well. I was always one of the best athletes of school, but I was just one of the biggest athletes, literally. And I wasn't feeling well. So I went to my family doctor and at that visit, she told me I had something called PCOS, which is basically a type two diabetes that affects female fertility. She gave me an acid blocker because I had severe acid reflux. She gave me an antidepressant because I was pretty depressed. And something for IBS. So I left that doctor's visit at the young age of 16 with three prescription medications. And she told me it was nothing I was doing wrong. It was just the cards I was dealt. But let me tell you, Melanie, I worked at a coffee shop where before high school, I would go and make the scones and the muffins and the cinnamon rolls. And then after school, I would go back to the coffee shop and we would close about 5 p.m. And whatever didn't sell, I went home with. And so... You can make darn sure I would make extra cinnamon rolls because I wanted to make sure that's what I had for dinner, basically. And I so I was living off of caffeine, sugar, and carbohydrates. And what causes PCOS is excess caffeine, sugar, and carbohydrates. And what happened was that very same week, I took my beautiful golden retriever to the vet because she was losing patches of her hair. And the first question the vet asked me was, what are you feeding her? And it was like a really big moment for me because I was doing this on my own. My parents didn't come with me. I was really embarrassed. I didn't want to talk to my friends about how weird my period was and all of that. But I also didn't want to live off of chicken breasts and broccoli. Like I'm a foodie. I really like good, tasty food. And so what I did was I just kind of like, I love to cook. I love to bake. And so I just started making some of my favorite things into you know, these exotic creations, like I have a protein sparing cinnamon roll that people love. And, you know, that's the type of stuff that I want to be able to have that type of thing. You know, yeah, I I love filet mignon and that type of stuff. But at the time I was, you know, pretty picky. So I just started doing that type of stuff. And weight loss was very difficult with PCOS. And so 
I called them my pure protein days where I would have days that were pure protein. And, you know, now it's called protein sparing modified fast days, but that's how I really found success. But then, I mean, we could talk about it later, but you know, the whole keto community was like, Oh no, too much protein turns into sugar. And like for a hot minute, I was like, Oh, okay. And so I was like, okay, we have to lower the protein, high the f- higher the fat. You know, and I, I really respected these people and doctors that told me that. And they're still out there screaming that message. But you know what's interesting, Melanie? They're not working with people. They're just out there, you know, th- throwing out their videos and their, you know, ideas. But when you actually work with clients, if you just let them eat all the fat, they gain weight because there's only one place to go, like you saw in the class, you know? One of the biggest like epiphanies I had about all of it was when I was contemplating, because people will say that fat doesn't release insulin, so it's unlimited, you know? When really the irony about that statement is I think fat doesn't release much insulin because it doesn't require much insulin to be stored. So the irony about all of it is that people took that concept they took it and they got the complete opposite. Like literally fat is very easily stored and that's the insulin connection. And people took it to mean the opposite that, oh, it must not be easily stored. Well, I'm a fan of Gary Taubes, but he's the one that kind of threw us under the bus with that. There's definitely a lot, a lot of confusion out there. While we're talking about mind blown moments, when I was watching your, the recent webinar that you did, I had the biggest mind blown moment and I shared it on the intermittent fasting podcast. And I've, every time it even remotely comes up in conversation, I share this now. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know if people will be excited about it like I was, but the thing that was so fascinating to me was you talked about how people often think that we enter ketosis because we run out of carbs, so we can't burn carbs anymore. So like there's no fuel, but he was talking about how it's actually because we need carbs to burn fat in the Krebs cycle. So when we run out of carbs, it's because we can't burn fat anymore. And it was like, it was like, wow, I never realized that. And that was just completely mind blowing to me. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get kind of hung up with this high, you know, idea of ketosis and higher ketone numbers. And they fall into this trap that will cause them to not see results and they get really discouraged and they're like, yeah, I tried the keto diet and it, I gained weight on it and it didn't work. And, you know, people mistakenly think that they don't need any glucose, which they do. There are certain parts of your body that do need glucose. And that's what, you know, enables us to be in ketosis. It's, you know, a whole cycle of people get into this trap where they think that, okay, so I don't have any glucose, so I need a lot of fat for, you know, ketosis and stuff. And reality, most people have so much fat on their body that they don't need to eat the dietary fat. And in fact, if they want to lose that body fat, then they do need to lower that dietary fat. So on the intermittent fasting podcast, people often ask us, like, what is my opinion of the best way to lose weight. I don't want to say like in a crash diet form, but you know, basically lose weight effectively and fast. And I always say some manifestation of PSMF in my opinion is, is the best way to go. And maybe we can step back and actually give more definitions to that. But a follow-up question that people often ask me is, okay, but how much fat do I need? So, so how much fat do people actually need if they're doing keto, but they're not doing a higher fat manifestation of it? can they just go fat-free and do all protein or what's actually needed there with fat? 
going fat free is almost impossible because there's going to be, I remember when I was a teenager buying chicken breasts and being like, why is there fat in chicken breasts? It's supposed to be fat free, you know? So there's like some fat and things and don't stress out because you do want for a protein sparing modified fast day. So what that definition is, is where you, you know, lower the carbohydrates as much as possible. You hit your protein goal or go above and you keep fat at about 30 grams. And 30 grams is that magic number where you still can have hormone synthesis. You can still absorb fat soluble vitamins and your gallbladder is not going to go kaput. But it is still like it's egg whites, chicken breasts. It's, it's really, you know, what you would think would be zero fat. You still get about 30 grams with, I have a free calculator if you don't mind me plugging it. Oh, please, please do. If you go to ketomaria.com, you'll find this free keto calculator on that site and it will give you your regular keto macro days and the protein sparing days. And we recommend to do protein sparing. I mean, it depends on how, you know, we've worked with people like Tyler who needed to lose, you know, probably over 400 pounds. He could get away with more protein sparing modified fast days, but we recommend about three days a week. Hit that. Some people only want to lose 10 pounds. And in that case, you could probably get away with one or two a day, you know, a week. What I find interesting is <laughs> there's there's some keto people and doctors out there that say, you know, protein sparing is modified fast is dangerous. It's going to kill you. It's like, oh, come on. You're telling people to eat nothing in a day. You will lose muscle mass. It's proven. And you get no nutrients when you do that. And when you do protein sparing, the most nutrient dense foods are animal protein. So you're getting those nutrients in so you don't lose your hair and all of that. So I just find it interesting that people... I get a lot of hate mail about it, but I mean, if they want results, they're going to do it, you know? The 30 grams of fat, do you find that naturally just happens in eating the lean cuts of meat or are people actually adding any fats to their meals when you practice? I write meal plans for protein sparing and I have a couple books out and it's, you will get 30 grams without adding fat. You don't need to add you know, mayo or butter. I'm very specific about my protein sparing protocol is dairy free for a reason, but you wouldn't be adding, you know, tallow or lard to a steak, or you would be maybe broiling the fish rather than pan frying it in a skillet with butter or some sort of oil. And even when you do that, you're still going to get that 30 grams of fat. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even like a, like a tender, like I love a filet mignon. I have that every day after my run. A filet mignon is going to have some fat in it, you know, and that's one of the leanest cuts. Well, yeah, yeah, you were speaking to, um, you know, how you're trying to get the leanest chicken breast and how did it still have fat? But I think what a lot of people don't realize is maybe they think that the fat is always separate from the protein. So you could like, you know, cut it away, but there's intramuscular lipids in the muscle that you can't, you can't cut that away. So it's sort of hard, like you said, to go completely fat free. And you do want some because to make, you know, healthy hormones and to absorb, you know, fat soluble vitamins, you know, so you don't get like a vitamin D deficiency and that type of stuff. So you know, there's vitamins A, D, E, and K, they are fat soluble, they need fat for absorption. And, you know, a gall, your gallbladder is a muscle, just like you do bicep curls, you want to make sure to keep that gallbladder working. 
you know, it's just when you go extremely low fat and you're just doing like whey protein shakes, which I never recommend, that is where some people come into having issues. I have two questions. One about the counting. So when I was mentioning before how I went through my my period of basically just eating chicken breast, I wasn't counting anything. Um, I wasn't counting calories. I wasn't even counting protein, fat. I, I was just, I was like, this is the food I eat and and it worked really well. But perhaps one of the most popular PSMF manifestations is like Lyle McDonald's protocol and that whole community, they, you know, they, I think they, it's like 500 calories. Like they count calories. It's much more intense and they, and they go like really long time. Like they go days and then they have this whole protocol. So how is yours different from that as far as like, I know you just talked about how many days you can do it, but as far as like how many days and actually counting calories, how does it manifest? Yeah. I mean, a protein sparing modified fast day is about 800 calories of basically pure protein and that, you know, minimal amount of fat. And that's what the, um, you know, I have a couple books I sent to you about keeping it at that ratio. Like the meal plans are meant to, but honestly, people are like, Maria, I'm so full. Do I have to eat all this protein? And I'm like, you know, yes, it's really important. Like there's a, you know, this pudding in there, this chocolate pudding that people are like, whoa, this is so good. And they're like, is it, are you sure this is one serving? And I'm like, yeah, you get to have the whole thing. And they're like, wow, it's a lot of food. But protein is so like, I try to do these images on Instagram or like Twitter where I'm holding a big, huge piece of sashimi because we have fresh fish here, you know? And so I'm holding this big piece of ahi. It's humongous. And then I hold two pats of butter in my hand and it's the same calories. And not only that, the protein, the ahi has so many more nutrients than the sticks of butter, the little pats of butter do. And it's just, you get to like, I like to eat. I don't want to eat two sticks of little pats of butter and say, Oh, I'm done. I like that. I like the feet. I like to eat. And so I like that you can actually feel satiated and full And what's really fascinating is I've talked to a lot of like fitness competitors and bodybuilders is there's something about when you have the absence of fat or minimal of fat amount of fat, the satiation is so much more intense and faster than when you have a lot of protein and a lot of fat together. And I don't know what the mechanism is with that, but there's something very satiating about lean proteins. The satiation thing is really fascinating because I think a lot of people think fat is satiating, but I've looked at the studies and I'm trying to remember fat and satiation. It's not, I don't think the correlation is, is quite there. Like protein is the one that seems to be the satiating factor. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at gram for gram, I mean, in order to eat the same amount of fat to get the amount of protein you would get for satiation protein wins. I mean, you just have to think about the amount of calories you need in that fat to get that satiation that you would get in the small amount of calories of protein to get that satiation. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It does. Cause fat is so caloric dense. And to say that calories don't matter is ignorance. It really is. Hi friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference. 
May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples, meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come... Definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. I agree. I agree so much. I've had Ted Naiman on the show. I think it was, I think it was his book. He had the chart and it was saying, it was like this satiation timeline, basically of the different macronutrients. And it was like carbs are satiating in the short term, but not the long term. Fat, which I think I think it was satiating in the short term, but not long term, and then protein was both. <laughs> so it was like protein was the way to go. Whatever you feel about nutrient, or I should say, satiation, you cannot deny that the nutrients are in the animal protein. Those lean proteins, that's where the nutrients are. Because there's a big, you know, argument like what's more important, fat or protein? Fat or protein? When you look at where the nutrients are. It's not in the butter. It's not in the MCT oil. It's not in the tallow. It's not in the lard. It's in the actual steak. It's in the actual chicken. It's in the actual food. And that's how our ancestors ate. They didn't get a damn butter churner out to add butter to their steak. You know, when they ate a woolly, ma- woolly mammoth, they just ate the whole woolly mammoth. They didn't add fat to it. But that's what we're being told that we have to do is add fat to our steak. Well, That's not really a natural way to eat anyway. What about the idea that they say, well, you need to eat fat to teach your cells how to burn fat? What do you think about that idea? I don't know who thought of that, but that's just, it's, it's ignorance. If you have a food addiction, let's start there. I think the thing is, is we're ignoring the fact that most people have a food addiction. Okay. And they need something instead of the sugar, instead of the carbohydrates, So they make fat bombs or that type of stuff to get them through the day. So they don't, instead of grabbing the Hershey kiss, they grab the little chocolate fat bomb they made. You're just replacing it. And if that's your way to get you off sugar, so be it. I'm not a judgy person, but to say that you need to have that to train your body to burn fat is just ridiculous. 
you were saying how people sometimes go low fat, like bodybuilders and stuff, and then they're more, they're more satiated. I mean, it just makes sense to me that if you're eating fat, then maybe you're not unlocking some, some fat cells because you're burning this dietary fat compared to if you go low fat, then you're actually forcing your body to go open up (laughs) some of those cells that you might not have tapped into. And then that's like opening, you know, a whole new floodgate of potential energy. So. Yeah. And I would say that the people that think that you need to add fat to burn fat, they are discounting how brilliant your body is. I mean, your body's really smart. It really, really is. You know, like people that you see in the Holocaust are really lean. It's not because they ate a bunch of fat to get lean. It was because that they were basically eating nothing. You know, your body knows how to burn body fat if you let it. People will say if they're taking in sweeteners like I mean, artificial or stevia or something like that, then, oh, that's going to make you gain weight. But I have thought this so long. And then you actually said it. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not alone. Because I thought about it. I'm like, well, if you're not taking in extra fuel, I don't see how adding stevia can make you gain weight. Like, I don't see how that could like <laughs> literally happen. Well, first of all, we've tested it. And if you use pure stevia, insulin doesn't rise. But it's the whole idea that I'll say like stevia in the raw, that's a brand of stevia and that has maltodextrin in it. It's not the stevia that's causing the insulin rise. It's a maltodextrin, which is a corn derivative, which is higher on the glycemic index than sugar. Okay. But so even if let's say pure stevia did, you're drinking zero calories. So what the hell's the difference? Because if insulin went up, you're not drinking anything to store. But if you had like a bulletproof coffee with a bunch of stevia, you know, like maybe a chocolate stevia or something in there, and you had a bunch of fat in it, then yes, you are going to go into storage mode because your insulin went up and you're eating a, you know, 500 calories of pure fat with no nutrients. I can see how you can make the argument that the insulin release makes it so that you can't burn fat, but it can't make extra fat manifest out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, I just don't know. We're just chasing the wrong thing because people get all obsessed if their insulin goes up when they have, you know, like protein or their, their glucose goes up with protein or whatever it is. They're not looking at the right thing. That was the whole in the video, the, the home IR and how to calculate that and to really see if you're in trouble. Because I do know some very influential keto people in the community that have a high HOMA IR, which is very dangerous. This one woman that a lot of you know, she has a HOMA IR of 20. And it's not because she's eating too much carbohydrates or sugar. She eats none of that, but she's eating way too much fat. For listeners who are not familiar with HOMA IR, what is the measurement for that? And what's the the range? And if they want to figure it out themselves, how could they get it tested? Yeah, like a fasting insulin and a fasting glucose. And it would be insulin times glucose divided by 405. And, you know, if the number is like two or less, you're okay. You're you're healthy. Where if the number is above that, then you're you're in trouble. And it's just people are chasing like a blood sugar layer. You know, okay, so they, they were keto and they were doing bulletproof coffee and fat bombs and all that. And their glucose was maybe like, 80. It was like a really great number. But now that they are doing protein sparing, they might see it go to 110 and they freak out and they think it's bad. And they're just chasing the wrong number. And that's why I want people to be aware, like the fasting insulin, fasting glucose, find out the OMIR 
And if your body, it, and that's what we were, you know, during the class, we were talking about a car, like the RPMs. So you're cruising along at, you know, 55 miles an hour, and it seems like your car is running great, but the RPMs are sitting at 20. That's not a good thing that your your engine is working so hard. But let's say that you're cruising along at 85, okay? You know, the, the, the blood sugar is going up a bit, but your RPMs are at like sitting at zero. That's what you want. Who cares if the blood sugar goes up a little bit? Yeah, because that is something that I think a lot of people see. And actually for me, so I currently don't do low carb anymore. I do intermittent fasting during the day and I do one meal a day and then I eat super high protein. I actually eat super high carb from fruit, but low fat. And I've found that when I was keto, I actually did have higher resting blood sugar, you know, higher nineties. Do you think there's any potential issue with a higher resting blood glucose? Like, is that glycating red blood cells or do you think it's more like the spikes or the area under the curve? Or I know a lot of people in the keto world seem to report that, that they have higher resting blood sugars. Well, it depends because if it does go up like in the morning, it's the dawn phenomenon and like a cortisol, but that's what you do want that to wake up in the morning. Like it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's the overall long-term the long-term fasting glucose, the long-term fasting insulin, finding out what your, you know, the A1C is, the OMIR, looking at the long-term rather than, you know, the short-term numbers. Yeah. So basically all the data, I don't know if this is still true. I need to check this, but I read that the reason that insulin is probably not going to be tested anytime in the near future, like as like a part of the standard panel has to do with the the medical codes, like it's not an easy setup to um, run it as a test for doctors, which is just upsetting. But another question about all the fat stuff, I love, I love that you talk about this. People often say that, especially in the keto world, that, or I guess it would only probably be in the keto world, but <laughs> but that fat is unlimited because you know it'll just you won't store it; it'll just you know run through you. You talked about fecal fat. What should we know about fecal fat? So no matter what way you're eating, high fat, low fat, no matter what, when they test the fecal matter, only about you know 10% gets passed through you. No matter if you're high fat or low fat, it doesn't really matter. And to prove our point, my husband always brings up the wow chips. Are you old enough to remember those? I don't think I had them. What was in them? Oh my gosh. When I was in high school, there was something called wow chips and they had to have a label on them that it could cause anal leakage because it contained a fat binding compound of... Like Alestra? Yes, Alestra. That's what it was. It had Alestra in them, in the chips? Yes, it did. And this was a huge thing back in the like mid nineties. And if that would really be true, if we would just pass fat through us and we were eating copious amounts of fat, we would just be having diarrhea all the time. And in reality, no matter if you eat high fat or not, fat has one place to go and it's right to the fat cells. Even when you are burning fat, this is how it works. It goes to the fat cells and you get into the fat flux and you are either in a negative fat flux or not. And if you are in a negative fat flux, that's how you lose weight. But if you eat copious amounts of fat, you're not very active, you will gain weight that way. And sure, if you're getting off of cereal and skim milk and that crap, 
I am very proud of everybody. Like we're arguing about the kind of the wrong thing. Getting people off of processed foods is a win-win to me. But what makes me sad is people, 99% of people jump onto keto because they want to lose weight. And then they don't see the results because they're doing bulletproof coffee. And Dave Asprey probably hates me because I always make fun of it. But there's no nutrients in it. It's copious amounts of fat. And people think they're still in this intermittent fasting mode if they just drink a bunch of liquid calories, which they're not. Liquid calories are absorbed so quickly. And coffee makes you less insulin sensitive, which is not a good thing. And so you get into this big issue where people don't see results and then they tell their friend, oh yeah, I gained weight on keto, this and that. And that's what makes me sad. And that's why I'm here screaming the message. Like you don't need to eat a lot of dietary fat if you already have body fat to burn. It's so funny. I had Dave on the show. I'm trying to remember if we, (laughs) I'm trying to remember if we talked about his Bulletproof coffee even. I'm going to have to go back and, and revisit it. But I agree. Like people adding like, you know, copious amounts of fat. It's just, there's a lot of misconceptions surrounding all of it. So the fat flux, quick question about it. Is that speaking to just the fat that you're eating? Or is it like the cycle of the fat that you're eating and the fat that you're unlocking from your fat stores? Like what is the fat flux exactly? You're, that's exactly right. It's the dietary fat that you're eating plus your body fat. And when you get into this flux where you're taking in less dietary fat than what is needed to burn the body fat, that's the negative fat flux. But you're always in this flux mode and you can change it very quickly by what you eat. But most people need to lose body fat. The best way to reverse insulin resistance, some people are like, oh, you got to eat high fat to reverse insulin resistance. No, the best way to reverse insulin resistance is to shrink your fat cells and gain or maintain your muscle mass. And the best way to do that is to eat lean proteins, low fat, low carb. But I, I do agree with you. You could have one, like proteins, not a good energy source. It's just not. And like, I am an athlete. I run, I run marathons, all that. I choose to use fat for my fuel instead of carbohydrates, just because I am so metabolically damaged with PCOS and my background and stuff like that. And I've just trained to be more of a fat burner. But you mentioned that you eat, you know, carbohydrates for your energy. It is, you are going to choose one. My problem is, is, you know, introducing carbs to myself and most of my clients, that's when their, you know, sugar cravings come back. So for me with the carbs, I don't think it would work for me if I wasn't doing the fasting, but the way it seems to work for me is I do fasting every single day and I do a one meal a day pattern, like I mentioned, and I preferentially eat, well, I really just eat fruit. I don't eat, I don't do starches. I mean, this is all theories in my head, but the way, the way I feel like it's working for me is I am filling up my liver glycogen primarily with the fruit every night. And then during the day, dipping into the fasted state, I'm, you know, probably burning fat in the Krebs cycle. I don't even know if I'm like entering ketosis, but I do burn fat and then I, you know, fill up again at night. But because I'm not really taking in any excess fat dietary wise, it's very unlikely that I'll gain any fat from the meals that I'm eating, especially since carbs aren't easily turned into fat either. So I found that it it works well for me. The thing I always suggest is, you know, try either low carb or low fat and you know, not necessarily adding, if you're doing low carb, not necessarily adding all the fat. That's not really necessary. 
that's what I usually like when I work with clients like this morning, I was trying to explain how a lot of people think that avocado and nuts are this perfect keto food. And in my mind, fat plus carbohydrates cause weight gain. That's what nuts and avocado are to me. They're not protein. They're a bunch of fat and they're a bunch of carbohydrates. And that is why. And dairy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that causes weight gain, you know? Yeah, that's, that's always the one of the first things I say. I'm like, are you eating nuts? Are you eating dairy? That's a place to start like with as far as foods that are, like you just said, kind of priming you for, for weight gain. Actually, while we're talking about it, what are your thoughts on dairy? What are your thoughts on like low fat dairy? And why do you not include that either? I guess I work with a lot of people with autoimmune issues. And I think people don't realize when they do have rheumatoid arthritis or, you know, Parkinson's, MS, uh, Hashimoto's, Graves, a lot of these things are autoimmune issues that, you know, they are autoimmune issues, but even these, you know, eczema and, you know, they come to me because they want to clear up some sort of problem they're having. And a lot of times is autoimmune and we poo poo gluten in this keto community, but we never address dairy, which dairy is a more common allergen than gluten is. So yeah, when I deal with those types of people, you know, cutting dairy is a big deal. And especially like low fat dairy too, that's going to cause the issue. Whey protein, everybody's like, why don't you like whey protein? Well, first of all, it's so quickly absorbed into the bloodstream that it's going to cause a blood sugar issue, which is not good if you want to lose weight. If you're trying to gain a bunch of muscle, whatever, that's not who I'm working with. I'm working with people that want to lose weight. And dairy is, you know, very inflammatory. It's a very common allergen. And if someone's not having an autoimmune issue, they just want to lose weight. I, you know, have them cut it out for a month and they usually like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much better I feel without it. But maybe they can add it later on. I was one of the lucky ones that am able to add. I can use butter. I don't have an issue with that. But I don't focus my life on adding butter to a steak, you know? Do you find a difference for people with ghee versus butter and the autoimmune issues? I don't, no. There's no ghee either, yeah. It's one of the first things I would test with, but it often brings back rosacea or eczema or whatever trigger they want to stay away or acne, you know? Yeah. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, 
You search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at melanieavalonscloset.com. That's melanieavalonscloset.com for all of the clothes none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's melanieavalonscloset.com. I'm really, really fascinated by MCTs. Okay. So not exogenous ketones. We can talk about those as well, but like C8 MCT oil, because I'm not so sure that it gets stored as fat. Like it seems to preferentially you know, go to the liver and be burned. And so I found that I did an experiment where I was eating my, my diet and I basically was doing protein. So like low fat protein, but I added like an exuberant amount of C8 MCT oil. It it made me lose weight. Like it didn't matter how much I added, like thousands of calories. I, I was just really fascinated. And I've, and I've seen other people report that as well. Do you have any thoughts on MCT oil? I do. I think it's a refined oil that's not healthy for our body. I mean, to tell you the truth, it's not a pure fat, like something that you'd find in the steak or something. It's, it's very refined. And so it's not something that I use in my practice or as a tool, but that's interesting that, you, you know, it, it talks about not using the carnitine shuttle and stuff. I know, but I don't know. I guess I've, I've never used it for myself and I see it as, you know, a I try to get everybody away from those, you know, refined oils. And it's funny. That's one of the things that, especially when I went through my period, when I was using it, that was haunting me. Cause I was like, this is, you know, this is very refined, but I was doing it as an experiment and I was pretty shocked. Like I would basically just get really, really hot eating it. And like I said, I actually, my thoughts was I was doing it to try to gain weight because I, I tend to have a sensitive digestive tract. And I was like, well, this will just be easily absorbed calories. Like I can just add in all the calories. 
And then it just made me lose more weight. And I was like, okay. Did you have uh, any gut issues or loose stools? A little bit in the beginning, but I adapted pretty, pretty fast to it. But I know people do often have loose stools with it. So exogenous ketones, what are your thoughts on those? And people often wonder if they should take those. Well, again, let's be clear. 99% of people that may be listening or try, you know, exogenous ketones, they want to lose weight. And when I used them, I easily, I gained 10 pounds in like a matter of weeks, a week. What's happening is when you use exogenous ketones, your body doesn't have to use its body fat to make ketones anymore. And what I find really sad is I use I went to one of their conferences and they are like doing this you rah rah eat eat the damn muffin and then just do some exogenous ketones and you'll be in ketosis. And I think that's like a super dangerous headspace to be in because now you have high glucose and you have high ketones. I think that's just like a recipe for cancer because I mean, cancer loves excess fuel. And in that case, now you have high glucose and high ketones and people mistakenly think, Oh, you know, keto is a cure for cancer. That's not true. There's many different types of cancers. Most of them are hormonal. So I just think they're a big waste of money. And it's sad how people jump on the bandwagon thinking it's going to help them. They're just looking for a quick fix. And there's really not I if my parents or grandparents had Alzheimer's or dementia, I'd probably invest in that. The problem is, is I've used it with, I have a lot of clients with epilepsy. One client in particular, I worked with his mother and he was nonverbal, 20 years old, and we use exogenous ketones and it helped, but it she wouldn't sleep at night because he wouldn't sleep at night. It was too, it was so energizing. It was just ridiculous. So I think there's a catch 22 on, you know, if it's really a good medical form, you know, to use, but I guess I would be desperate if I had a family member with Alzheimer's. I've had that issue, but they just didn't want to do it. I as well. I just think it's a really, really potential metabolic, huge issue, the excess fuel in the bloodstream. And I recently did a, a really deep dive into the literature and I, and I try, I was like, okay, I was, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to approach this completely open-minded. I'm going to see what do the studies say on exogenous ketones. And I walked away from it. I mean, the, the literature is just not there. <laughs> like, like there's not really studies fine, especially when it comes to like weight loss and even performance. There's just not really much clinical literature supporting it. No. So that's why I'm so disheartened with the, I know a couple people where they, they're very maybe um, famous influencers on Instagram and stuff. And they've written keto books and the companies, one of the company in particular stole her before after pictures claiming that that helped her to lose weight. And I don't know if there was a lawsuit or what, but she was really upset about that. Oh, wow. That'd be really frustrating. Yeah, because, you know, you can't claim that it's like this miracle diet cure. Yeah. I was really surprised because I love Rhonda Patrick and I listen to a lot of her stuff, but she recently was on Joe Rogan again and was talking about experimenting with keto. And she was talking, she was talking about like the importance of, you know, checking your ketones regularly and making sure to keep them up and keep them high and how she found that when she added fat, she could keep her blood ketones up high. I was just like, no, like, like, I don't think 
no, this, I don't think this is the message. Um, because, you know, most people, I believe the longer they're on a ketogenic diet, their blood ketones go down from the beginning. Right. Because you are, your mitochondria is much more efficient at using ketones for energy. So, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years now. My ketones are very low. One, because I work out in a fasted state. So I have less fuel around because I'm using it for energy. So do I get depressed if I'm 0.3? No, absolutely not. And the more fat you eat, the higher your ketones numbers are. The only reason I would care about a ketone number is for epilepsy or seizures. It's been shown that higher ketones have been more beneficial to keep seizures away. However, I've had plenty of people with seizures use the protein sparing modified fast approach because here's my problem. I get people that want fertility help and they want to lose weight. They want to get rid of their seizures and they want to lose weight. They want to, you know, it's like, well, okay, let's tackle the fertility issue first and then we'll lose weight. You know, a lot of seizure patients have done the protein sparing and they find better results than what they found with, with higher fat diets. Oh, wow. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you for that work. And when I saw that, I mean, cause Rogan's show is the biggest show. I was like, Oh no, I got to look it up. Another question about the nutrition. So oh, it's always a little bit frustrating to me when, especially people in like the vegan community will say that a carnivore diet or a keto diet doesn't provide ample nutrition. Um, <laughs> when, when it really seems like we talked about earlier that I, I mean, animal foods are very, very high in nutrition. But something that I read recently, so I had Dr. Neil Bernard on this week, and he's a really big advocate in the the vegan world. But he was saying in his book, and this was something that I hadn't read before, but I was curious your thoughts on it. He was saying when it comes to iron, for example, heme and non-heme, non-heme iron from plants was better because heme iron, he says, kind of He was saying that it's inflammatory and that it just forces its way in and the body doesn't really regulate it the way that it needs to compared to non-heme where we really just take what we need. I'm bastardizing what he said, but basically he was saying that like, basically there's a problem for iron overload if we're eating iron from animal protein. I was wondering what your thoughts are on heme versus non-heme iron. So you need to have uh, my husband Craig on next because he's the scientist that you would really love to talk to. But he is very, this man that you talk to is very ignorant when it comes to nutrition because all plants have anti-nutrients and the oxalates that are found in them bind to the calcium. They bind to the iron so you can't actually absorb it at all. So he's saying completely opposite about how the heme iron is inflammatory. What happened was my kids never liked, this was before we were carnivore in our family. My kids never liked vegetables and my parents were very judgmental. You know, your kids don't eat vegetables. They're going to get sick. They're not getting the nutrients. And so Craig went and found these charts, which we ended up putting in our carnivore book about where the nutrients are. He compared kale, blueberries, all of these things that you would think are very high in nutrients compared to steak and organ meat. And over all accounts, all nutrients, the steak blows the kale and the blueberries out of the water, all other plants. Organ meat is like the truth superfood. And then diving deeper into it, finding out that all plants have these anti-nutrients in it, such as oxalates. 
And oxalates, they bind to nutrients, so you can't actually absorb them and cause more issues than not. Like people with kidney stones, it's usually an oxalate issue that's binding to calcium and the calcium gets built up in the, in the kidneys. When people start to really lower their carbohydrates or go carnivore, they might actually see the oxalates come out of their skin or I had styes in my eyes it's the oxalates getting out. And those are the anti-nutrients that are found in plants. And if you look at most plants, like the modern pumpkin, I should say our ancestors pumpkin, it was poisonous. You couldn't even eat it, but we bred it to make it delicious. And now we make pumpkin pie out of it. A tomato was found high in the Andes mountains and was so bitter, nobody would have ever eaten it, but we bred it to be delicious we are breeding the hell out of the fruits and vegetables to make them actually not poisonous and make them tastier. They add more sugar to them. So I don't know. It's cool that you reach out to these people, but I would have a hard time doing podcasts. So I try to bring on people of just all different perspectives, but I, I was super nervous to interview him because he's, so like in the vegan world, there's, I mean, there's like Dean Ornish, there's Michael Greger, Dr. Bernard. I was like, oh my, oh my goodness. He's like on all the documentaries, like What the Health and Forks Over Knives and all that stuff. Yeah, I just found the part of his book. So he says, meat has a form of iron called heme iron, which defies your attempts to regulate its absorption. It just barges into your body whether you want it or not. <laughs> so um, I was like, okay, I have to look into that. But I could not agree more about the um, plant anti-nutrient thing. I think it's so important. And for listeners, I had Sally Norton on the show. If they're interested in oxalates, definitely, definitely listen to that episode because it's huge. I think it's a huge deal. What are your thoughts on vitamin C? I've actually heard that they haven't actually tested vitamin C in meat. Like the, the, it's just listed as not containing it, but it's because they've never actually. Well, they have tested it and they, there is, there, it, there is vitamin C in meat. The, le- the less you cook, so if you like a steak more rare than well done, you're going to absorb more vitamin C. And what's very interesting is there's something called the phagocytic index. The less sugar and carbohydrates you eat, the less vitamin C, your body competes for vitamin C and sugar, and sugar always wins your cells, okay? The less sugar that you eat to the less need for vitamin C goes on. You know, the whole idea of scurvy doesn't happen when you're eating a carnivore diet. It happens when you're eating bread and, you know, no nutrients and a lot of carbohydrates. So no, I think that's really interesting. We don't, we haven't done a lot of research on the need for different vitamins and minerals when you're eating, you know, no sugar, no carbohydrates type of a thing. That's so true. Yeah, the context of that could change things incredibly. How do you feel about organ meats? They're the superfood. They're the true superfood. I suggest everyone get their hands on some. All of them have different benefits, like brain is high in X, liver is high in Y, you know, and most people are afraid of it. Like my kid loves um, US Wellness Meats bologna, which is basically just like organ meat and some beef and spices. People, when I say bologna, they're like, oh my gosh, it's so unhealthy. But what's interesting is that's like the true superfood and we've gotten away from it. My favorite organ meat is sweet breads, which is neither sweet nor bread, but it's like, it's like a, the most tender chicken nugget you've ever had. I personally see massive benefits supplementing with kidney for my histamine issues. It's just a game changer. 
game changer. I struggle with anemia and I found that taking desiccated spleen has been the first thing that's really, really helped me out that way. So yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot of power there. And I like, I think some of your recipes, don't you, you kind of hide the organ meats in the recipes? you're so awesome like I really appreciate you you know looking that up but yeah that's the thing a lot of people are like oh you know I don't I personally don't really love liver I'm going to tell you the truth I just don't my mom does whenever she sees it in my freezer she's like can I have this I'm like yeah but honestly what I do is I'll make like my chili and there's no beans in it and I'll do like a four to one ratio where it's you know one it's four beef to one pound of like ground liver and I mean, you could just make pure hamburgers, you know, the nutrient dense meat patties, meat cookies, we call them. Yeah, they're, it's easy to hide. And whenever you make a ground beef, like when we make taco meat, hide a little bit in there. It's like a, the best multivitamin that you can give your kids. One thing I am haunted about all of it, though, I think about this because I as well. So I, I really do love almost all foods. And when it comes to meat, like I, I crave all different meats and I really love it, but I do kind of like you were just talking about with people, you know, not liking liver. Like I bought like raw liver and tried to eat it and I like, it doesn't appeal to me. And I, and I wonder why that is because that seems intuitive, you know, like you think that we would naturally gravitate to the things that are nutritious for us. So I take things like that in a, in a supplement form. Do you have any thoughts about that? Like why people even people on like carnivore diets sometimes don't like the the organ meats, like liver particularly. Like me, I don't, but there's a, maybe you could interview him. A dude wrote the book called The Dorito Effect. And, you know, we're living in this world where we're used to really tasty food. And, you know, you like fruit and fruit has been bred to be extra sweet and extra delicious. Like the strawberries we found in our, we found wild strawberries in our yard. They were about as big as my pinky finger, fingernail. And they were itty bitty and they were fully ripe and they're very tart. But now we get these strawberries that are at Costco that are super huge and super big and super sweet. And we're just changing our palates. I'm not trying to pick on you, but we've changed everybody's palates, you know, like, I grew up on fruity pebbles for breakfast and cocoa pebbles for dinner. Like I like sweet stuff. And We've just changed our palates. What's interesting is my kids do like organ meat, but guess what? They were brought up on bone marrow, bone broth. Like I believe if we went back and changed our palates from the beginning, it would be different. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. The thing I wonder about the liver is I wonder if maybe maybe our body intuitively knows that there could be a toxicity issue with too much of the fat soluble vitamins. I don't know though. I think you should ask Craig about it. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) We'll have a part two. Hi friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. I did a lot of research on infrared saunas before deciding on them. Their saunas are so high quality. They're low EMF. And what I really love is they have a solo unit. That's what I have. And it's really great if you live in a small apartment, might be moving. It's just really an amazing investment. And they have incredible deals and offers on it right now. You can actually get up to $200 off with the code Melanie Avalon. Or if you're talking to a rep, just tell them that I sent you. And like I said, that will be up to $200 off and that will also get you $99 shipping. Normally the shipping is like $600. So that's a really, really big deal. 
And if you do purchase Asana, forward your proof of purchase to podcast at melanieavalon.com. And I will also send you a signed copy of my book, What, When, Why. If you'd like to learn more about the science of sauna, two resources. I interviewed the founder of Sunlighten, Connie Zach. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then I also recently did an epic blog post all about the science of sauna. We'll also put that in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. But okay, I just have to say really quickly that your boys are like the cutest thing and they just seem so like kind. <laughs> like I like I look at the photos and I'm like, oh, they just, you just seem like you have a really amazing family. So, um, and that really, it really shows through. You made my day. Thank you so much. So listeners go check out her Instagram and check out her boys. They're so adorable. But speaking of the recipes, so what are some of your favorite recipes? Like, so I'm dying to know, how did you come up with your bread? Like people would just rave over your bread recipe. Thank you so much. Was that a lot of experimentation? Yeah. And that's what makes me really sad is like, I work so hard on these recipes and then people claim them as their own. I mean, more than anything, it saddens me because I have worked really hard and it took me years to create it. I've been making it for decades now. And so it's funny, like someone messaged me on Instagram. They're like, so-and-so said that they created the recipe. And they're like, you know, I, I, it's just, it hurts when people do that, but they've done it with like all my, like I've done, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Like I did a protein noodle lasagna because I, I grew up uh, with lasagna for my birthdays. And so like, yes, it has some, it has dairy in it, but you know, that's like my birthday treat type thing. Then diet doctor put it on his website and everybody calls it the diet doctor. No, I don't really think that the diet doctor writes recipes. No, he does not. I doubt it. No, he does not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's all right. But you know, they give it credit to him, but you know, little things like that. But I just never did well with nuts or nut flowers. And that's what all the breads were made out of or like psyllium and all that. I just never did well with that type of stuff. So I just really wanted to have bread and just doing a lot of baking in my past with the coffee shop and stuff, meringues and all that. And everybody's like, how do I get egg white protein powder? I was like, it's just dried egg whites. You can make it yourself but it needs that structure to make it into a bread. And I still make the original where it's just whip the egg whites and add the egg white, dried egg whites to it and some salt. And that turns into like the inside is like the softest wonder bread you'd ever imagine. It's mind blowing. Then like that opened it up to, I've made tortillas with it. I've made pizza crust with it. I've made, I'm looking at a tiramisu where I use that, that to make the lady fingers and then the filling is actually pure protein too. There's no dairy in it. So, you know, it's just experiment. I like just seeing what happens when you make different food. Have you ever made my hard boiled egg pudding? I haven't. Have you heard of it? I've seen it. Yeah. Is it good? Well, obviously. Well, I have the had the great pleasure to cook with Halle Berry multiple times and we work together. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. How did you start cooking for her? Sorry to go on a tangent. No, that's okay. She just, I had no idea, but she was like eating my recipes and using my books. I had no idea. And all of a sudden she, you know, was like, oh my gosh, I love your recipes on Instagram. And I'm like, um, Craig, is this really Halle Berry? And she just reached out to do some things and we're continuing to work together, which is really cool. I just can't talk much about it. But I was like, okay, Hallie, I want to do this video where we make my pudding. And she's like, I'm not eating that. 
<laughs> I was like, come on. And she's like, I do not want to eat eggs made into a pudding. What happened was I kept this recipe for a secret for probably 10 years because it was just so weird. No, it wasn't 10 years. Maybe it was five. I go, I'm saying too long because my son, when we first adopted the boys, my youngest was a very picky eater. Like he just did not like eggs of any form. And my husband lost his job right after we adopted them. He lost his job two times, very significant times in our life. But after we adopted the boys, we had absolutely no money. And what's the cheapest keto food? Eggs, right? And I was like, oh man, I'm going to get this kid to eat eggs somehow. And so I threw like 10 hard boiled eggs into a blender with a can of coconut milk, some cocoa powder, a little sweetener, vanilla, a little touch of cinnamon. And I blended that up. The better your blender is, the smoother the texture is, you know what I'm saying? And people just go wild for it. People will make it in Australia, all over the place. They're like, this is amazing. And then I found if you scramble the eggs, it makes it even better because you don't get that sulfur type smell that you can get from hard boiled eggs. And then I made it to protein sparing where I used egg whites instead of, you know, just like the carton, just hundred percent egg whites. And then I used unsweetened, like a boxed coconut milk rather than the canned stuff, which is really lean. And we like that even better. Which cookbook is this one in? That one is in the art of fat loss. Okay. So yeah, for listeners, Maria's recipe books are insane. They're incredible. I actually, this is such a weird habit, but one of of the things I like to do, I'm like very intense with my routine of my life. And um, so every single night, like in the beginning when I'm winding down and I am having my one meal a day in the beginning of it, I, I read books that I'm like researching and I take notes and stuff like that. But then near the end of my meal, I like to just like look at fun things and just have my like pleasure reading. And one of the things I love to do is look at keto recipes. So I will like <laughs> look through your books and they're incredible. And I mean, it's really amazing what you've done. You've, I mean, you've covered everything. So, you know, whatever people type of foods they naturally gravitate towards, you know, you really do have a resource for them. And that's, that's just so helpful. I mean, especially for like kids, what are your favorite recipes that parents can make for their kids? Well, thank you for reaching out. My favorite recipes for kids, I guess my kids really love my Italian chili. They say it tastes like pizza in a bowl and they would eat that every night. And here's the thing, like, I'm a busy working mom. I mean, people always complain, I don't have time to cook, Maria. I'm like, you're not busier than I am. Like, you're just not. I wrote four books last year. I consult clients all day. We homeschool our kids. Like, come on. I make sure to have time to work out and I make sure to eat good food. What I do, though, is I batch cook. Like, when I make the Italian chili, I make like 10 pounds of ground beef into chili. And then I just put it into... Like I'll keep some in the fridge, but obviously with a histamine issue, you wouldn't want to do this, but you could directly freeze it in portions and then eat it, you know, right from frozen. So like the Italian chili is a big one. The chocolate pudding is a really big one because, you know, using the, the regular eggs and coconut milk, people really like that. Halle Berry said it was the best chocolate mousse she's ever had in her life. The Wendy's Frosty. I mean, I grew up on Wendy's Frosties, so I really like the Wendy's Frosty, and that's on my, you know, my blog for free. Gosh, there's so many. I just wrote a sugar-free kids book, and Halle Berry wrote the foreword for that. And there's flourless crepes in there. I did a whole chapter on holidays to how to make ho- the holidays fun. And so I don't know. I I just really my 
my goal is for people to not have an excuse to not try. Like I have a pop tart recipe, <laughs> you know, like I want people to be like, Oh, I couldn't live without a pop tart. Oh, I got a recipe for you. What about the ice creams that you make? Do they require an ice cream maker? No, actually in the kids book, they're all no churn because I know that a lot of people don't want another gadget. I do have an ice cream maker, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, you could make them no churn. So I did that in the book, but um, on my website, I have a few, but they, they do use an ice cream maker. Your newest cookbook is the Pure Protein Cookbook. Is it out yet? It's on um, keto-adapted.com. That's where, that's the only place you can get it. People are like, is it on Amazon? It's like, no, it's a self-published book. Amazon takes all the money when they sell the books. How's it different from the other recipes in your other books? It's basically protein sparing modified fast recipes. It is. So they're all protein. You get the 30 grams of fat a day and they're extremely low on carbohydrates to, you know, make sure they're all protein sparing. Where my other books, I have three protein sparing books right now. And then the other ones have more keto ratios in there where, you know, they're, they're higher in protein, but they also have more fat in them. They're not so low in calorie either. Those three, the protein sparing books are meant for weight loss. Speaking of ratios, what is the PE ratio in your cookbooks? Ah, uh, you have to ask Craig that. Okay. <laughs> you know, like I'm the minimalist when it comes to all the gadgets and all the terms and all that. And he's the one that loves gadgets, loves terms. The PE ratio, I believe Ted Neiman started that. Yeah, I think it has to do with the ratio of, well, protein to energy. So the ratio of protein to calories, uh, that would be what the PE stands for. Is there any food you're trying to make your version of right now that you haven't quite yet, that you're like trying to make, that you haven't quite yet made your version of that you're trying to figure out? Well, I have many, many recipe testers, so I would have to like give them all a big hug to help me make sure... Because, you know, like, I'm like a dog, I could eat the same thing, and it would never bother me. But I want, you know, I want to make sure everybody likes it. And my kids, you know, like, I need other people's opinions. And so they give me their gosh, honest feedback. And even like their, their kids or spouses might not be keto. And so I like getting their feedback on if they like it or not. I just made a protein sparing churro. That definitely passed the test, and that will be on my website and my YouTube videos soon. And also, it's my husband's 50th birthday on Christmas Day. And we don't really eat cake. Like I told you, we don't do almond flowers and stuff. So I'm making a flourless red velvet cake. I was going to ask you. I love red velvet cake. So I do red velvet because I have red velvet or Nutella or like a hot chocolate cake with, yeah, maybe I'll just save the, I'll do red velvet for his birthday and then I'll save the other ones because I, I personally would like red velvet. So, but you know, the red velvet cake, the cake will be basically pure protein, but then I'll give two options. I'll do, you know, the traditional cream cheese frosting. And then I'll do like the protein sparing. Have you done the Bouche de Noel? Did you see that? I didn't. No. I made a Bouche de Noel that was com- purely protein sparing. And the the frosting is quite easy to make. It's just egg whites. And like people make that with regular sugar all the time. It's like a an egg frosting is called, I think. It's just egg whites. And then you add natural sweetener to that. And you basically whip it over like a double boiler where I just have a pot of water 
underneath it and that helps heat it and it makes like this really great frosting and it worked perfect for the bouche de noel because normally the keto frostings are you know fat based so it's a protein sparing frosting yep oh oh that's a winner like two days ago yeah it's really it's just it's the whole cake is basically all protein there's no fat in it really Fantastic. I do just want to ask one question for my audience specifically. So a lot of my audience does practice intermittent fasting. If they're doing that and combining it with your recipes, like can they just do their normal fasting windows, but in their eating window, be eating these recipes? Yeah, I intermittent fast still. I mean, I always have. I've opened it more to an 18-6 now just because I am so active. And you know, people on social media are mean and they call me anorexic. So I'm trying to you know, maybe gain a little bit. I have had the exact same thing. So I identify with you on that. And I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. You know, people called me thunder thighs when I was younger and it hurt then and it hurts now too. Like I can't please anybody. It's just stop being so damn judgmental. That's what I need to say. I, I couldn't agree more. One of, and I'm going to get on a soapbox right now. One of the things that I get a little bit, I just don't like the way it's manifested in today's society is the like the healthy at any size movement. (laughs) I have so many thoughts about it. I think it should be like, love yourself at any size, but I don't think it's necessarily healthy at any size. And because I think there are sizes people are usually not healthy at. And then on top of that, it's biased and that it's healthy at any size if you're overweight, but the people who are underweight, it like doesn't apply to that side of the spectrum. I just have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Um, So... A man is doing a documentary. The last documentary he did, Halle Berry was in it, and he reached out for me to be in it. And it's basically, it's kind of like a dark Anthony Bourdain type of a documentary, but he wants to talk about that. He wants to talk about how in Hollywood, because he has lost about, I think, 150 pounds now, but it was really hard for him to lose weight in Hollywood because now people are basically saying, you know, healthy at any size. And it's like, I was not healthy fat, but you know, that's what they're trying to tell me is, you know, okay and healthy. And it's more accepted to be heavy. And it's really hard how he's explaining it, but it's basically just what you said. And I'm excited to be part of it. I hope nobody hates me about it, but he just wants to get the truth out about how you can eat good food and, you know, be healthy. I cannot agree more. I, I think it creates this situation where people might be overweight and not feeling healthy in their bodies, but they feel they feel almost bad if they want to lose weight because then they feel like they're not subscribing to accepting themselves. That's what he's, yeah. Yeah, he was dealing with that. It's like he was bad because he wanted to lose weight. Yeah, which just, I don't know. I think we should change it to love yourself at every size and that there should be complete freedom and agency to, you know, make dietary and lifestyle changes to find the body that you most thrive in. So, well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Was there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to get out there about all of your work? I can't keep up with clients. So I started... uh, basically a keto college a couple of years back and I help people become successful keto coaches. So if somebody does want to become a keto or carnivore coach, I have a perfect program for them and it's all business in a box. So they don't have to worry about starting a website or anything afterwards. I have them all set up. I paid for the website for them. They can brand it themselves 
and make it just like they need to. And all they do is supply the support and the phone consult and they're all set to go. But I want people to know the truth about keto and how it can change and how to help people, you know, get healthy without the the fat bombs and all of that. Thank you so much for listeners. If you'd like to sign up for anything Maria just talked about with the keto coach or get any of her fabulous books, which I cannot recommend enough, you can go to melanieavalon.com slash keto adapted, and then use the coupon code melanieavalon to get a discount. That's melanieavalon.com slash keto adapted with the coupon code melanieavalon to get a discount. Thank you so much for that. Again, for listeners, everything will be in the show notes so you can check there for more resources. And so actually the last question that I ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for? I'm really grateful and it might sound stupid, but I'm grateful for the hardships that I've had before when we were adopting our children my husband lost his job and we couldn't pay for our house so we ended up losing our house and we sold our cars because couldn't afford those either and I basically had to ride my bike to the library to write because we just didn't have a you know we didn't have anything and I remember people saying everything happens for a reason and I was just so incredibly sad because I w- we were trying to adopt. And when you are in the midst of an adoption and you have a job loss, I didn't have insurance with my job. I was a rock climbing guide at the time. Everything goes back to square one. So we lost every penny we put into the adoption too. Like all $20,000 was like flushed down the toilet. And I'm really grateful for all that because first of all, you said how much you love my boys and how happy they are. Like, ah, oh man, I remember my mom. My mom saying, um, Maria, your babies weren't born yet. She was right, man. Like these kids are the coolest kids I could ever wish for. Like I was, I'm really blessed and I still live very simply. I cut my own hair. My purse is $20. Like I don't live outside my means because I know it could go away in any second. And I don't want to be worried about where my next meal is coming from again. And so I'm grateful for those downtimes because I can be grateful for what I have today, if that makes sense. No, no, thank you so much for sharing that. And that really all comes through in all of your work. Like I said, I mean, I just, especially with like social media and everything, and we're inundated with so much content and resource and sources. And I think people need to be discerning in who they really follow and look to for, for content and for inspiration. And just whenever I see your work, it's just, it's like bang on with the science. It's changing people's lives with the recipes. And then just the like the vibe that you get, well, I'm going to start crying. The vibe you give off is just so amazing. So it's really, really an honor to connect with you. And I, I can't thank you enough for your work. This has been wonderful. You're so sweet. It's so hard because like with Instagram, I get so emotionally involved, like, oh my gosh, nobody liked my post or whatever. And, you know, like you said, there's so much content out there. And, you know, what someone says, like, sometimes people don't comment, but they see it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, completely. So, well, thank you. This was wonderful. We'll have to stay in touch. Yeah, let's stay in touch. And seriously, have Craig on. He can be your science man. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. Yay. Well, have a great day, my friend. You too. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, 
you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.